Hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. How's it going? It's going good. It's excellent. It's almost the weekend. I have more time off, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> and I get to go visit my family in the Buffaloes. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So I'm excited. Today for for the uh, for the peoples, we're doing a conversation about what is the Slavic paganism. At yeah. Least how how do how how do we see it? How do we do it? Like, because I can't answer beyond that, really. But because it's that's part of the part of the Slavic paganism. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. Do you have like a starting question you want to go with? Sure. Let's uh let's discuss or let's talk about like the basic shared cultural frameworks like the tree the three realms like origin stories that like are sort of generally shared i don't want to say are like universal because they're not but the ones you'll run into a lot of yeah yeah because i think it's important to give people context the slavic people is a big group of people yes (laughs) a lot of people in the slavic in the slavic peoples uh would include Russia would include Poland would include uh, yeah us in the north and the west uh all the way down pretty much to Greece right would say. more or less the south the south Slavs are the Balkans mostly yep. uh, the thing. east Slavs Ukraine Belarus Russia and the west Slavs are Poland Czech Czechia Slovakia and used to be the what was east Germany was Palabia so they were Slavs too until the Germans took it over yes um and you are of Czech, Slovak, and Polish origins. You are solidly West Slav, but my family is Galician Poles. And so that was where East and West Slavs meet in mm-hmm. like Ukraine, Poland. Um, so are also that make that that colors a little bit of our Slavic is I tend to 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 to, to drift a bit east from where you are yep. in my paganism, but Solidly West. Slavic. I don't think I have any like Russian heritage. The rest of it's all Germanic. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm solidly West Slav. Um, and so there is some differences. So we're only speaking from the things we know. I guess also yeah. we're speaking from a particularly diasporic <laughs> Slavic. Yes. Our, our family's left. Uh, my family left. Okay, so Slavic on my mother's side. My family left because of Iron Curtain. So my family left just before World War One. When things yeah. were starting to look bad in yeah. that area. So, because <laughs> so, uh, that, uh, besides the traditions that we'll talk about, most of the resources are not translated. Mm-mm. So, someone wants to help. <laughs> and some of them are in old, old Slavic languages, not necessarily modern Polish or modern Czech or modern Slovak. So, that also becomes difficult. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's important to touch on now is both um, there are very few sources and those sources that there are are not always good um, and not always in English. So there is that. Also, the, the modern sources, there are the diaspora people like us and then there are the like native faith people in Europe and mm-hmm. that approach, those approaches are very different. Yeah, yeah. Those approaches are definitely very different. I think for me to fill in the gap, since I don't have a direct like cultural lineage anymore, uh, I fill it in with Norse stuff and I fill it in with Celtic stuff. 
Like plug up I mean, holes. yeah, so, so do I. Mostly because I got my Slavic paganism from you. So whatever <laughs> you do yeah. is kind of what I do. Yeah. Okay. So that now that that's all the way. Answering your question about some of the big thematic themes, um, the things that I know about, the things that I I utilize. Yeah, the three realms that they're, which is odd because <laughs> translated to English, it's heaven, earth, and the underworld, which doesn't feel correct, but English translation. So you got your three worlds. Um, I would relate it to any of our Celts out there or Gaelics, um, to your, what river, not river, sea sky. Yes. Earth, sea sky. Yeah. Earth, sea sky. Similar to that. Uh, this is the land where the, the gods live. This would be the land underneath and the middle people. Um, and then the big thing that I pull on is the creation story. I don't know why I love the egg story. I will always love the egg story that the world was created from an egg in which the creation god rode, uh, broke the egg and brought with it fire, which formed the realms and formed the people. Like um, the big stuff. <laughs> and for specific, if you're taking specific notes, the upper realm, the sky one is Pravia, the middle one is Yavia, and the bottom one, the underworld is Navia. Just Good. if you want those Slavic names. Yeah. Uh, for me, other big things, there is no so actually yeah unlike some of the other faiths that either have survived longer or have some more solid records i haven't been able to find like there's not like a specific pantheon there's not you know the aesir and the vanir there are families that will exist gods that go together um sometimes by familial status it might be a father and children um, sometimes by like they are, uh, this is the leader and these are the, the underlings, so to speak, but there is really no like pantheon depends on where you're from in the Slavic peoples, whether you're West, East, North, some of, some of them only exist in the West, only exist in the East and only exist in the South. So we're kind of, it's, it's very visual, visual, vi vi wow. I can't speak <laughs> village based. Yeah, it's a regional, it, it was a regional set of beliefs. Um, but, you know, I guess we can transition from those really basic things into, like, basic practices and deities that we know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll round that up with holidays, if that sounds good to you. That sounds good to me. Do you want to start then? Yeah. This section? I mean, I was going to say, like, again, the eggs. Eggs are important. Um, because the world came from an egg in many versions of the creation myth. Mm -hmm. it, depending on who you ask, the, the god outside the egg was Rod or Svarog. Um, it just depends. But the, um, but yeah, the egg was used to create the world, and people are essentially made out of the little like broken fragments that fall in your eggs when you're trying to make something, mm -hmm. um, which it probably explains why we're so annoying actually and thought of it that way but that makes a lot of sense <laughs> uh but yeah i mean so i guess we could start with like the fire gods like svarog is like the forge god so yeah. kind of hephaestus e but more distant super almost like your uranus almost like sky fire celestial fire and yeah because when people describe him like as a... like fire i'm always like it's not it's like fire sword 
It's mystical. It's not like just the element fire. The it's way like sun. The way that stars are fire is yes. how Sparag is fire. Um, yes. The the fire of like primordial creation and not just like ooh for like yes forge fire but also like the alchemy that happens in the center of a sun yep. fire creation uh, creativity like sparks of creativity like it's kind of how we talk about um, I'm a Sagarilo he's down later uh, <laughs> how we talk about Lou shiny sun god not like like shiny shiny not literal sun not literal fire like shiny yeah um whereas yeah sparag is this literal fire of creation and his sons dajbog is the fire like the light of the sun yep. like the gift giving light the light that gives life and his wife vesna based on my best like my interact very very limited interaction she's like the fire of life also like mm -hmm. those fires that keep life and then Svarovich is like the domestic fires that help promote like like, like all of these things. Fire is super important to the Slavs because it's the like the primary creative element is fire. Yep. There are lots of fire gods. There's Svarovich. It's like specifically yeah. the forage version of him. And again, this is where the regionality comes in. Some might have really focused in on God of Forge and Fire, and some might have focused in very much on Chief God of Heaven's Fire, like Primordial Fire. Some might have focused very in on Sun. There are some myths that have, like, Dajbog is, uh, how, do I, how do I put this, like, the second life of Svarog. Once, like, the Primordial Creation part is done, then he kind of just goes into Sun. Or there are parts of him. Regionality. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it really just depends on your interactions. But I would say that's one of, like, the big families is, like, Svarog and either his versions of him or his family. Yep. And then the other one is, like, Perun and Velas. Yeah. One of the core stories, at least that I was able to find and that also resonated with me, is the story of Perun and Velas and their kind of eternal struggle um that it speaks to changing of seasons like going from there's another changing of seasons myth but the stormy season into the nice harvest season follows perun's and Velas's myth mythology which is related to <laughs> yari and marsanas but like their eternal struggle of some say they're brothers some say they're just opposites perun being god of thunder god of sky you know another sky god and Velas being underworld agriculture that they vie for ultimate power because they both have a really important place you know sky above us big beautiful like immaculate expansive and then agriculture the thing that we all do to live and underworld the thing that we kind of live on top of they vie for power a lot um so some say they're brothers some say they just are eternal opposites so they always exist in opposition to each other and are unrelated but that them and their mythology is important to me i don't know if that's a, a very west Slav thing um but that their story is one that is very impactful to me no i i agree with that i kind of see it also as like the interactions of chaos and order like mm -hmm. perun is an order god and Velus is a chaos god but in like the creative sense so without chaos and order constantly like interacting in the way that they do reality couldn't exist because it'd either be too fragile because of order or too chaotic because of chaos so they have to sort of and we as humanity don't get involved 
we we don't pick sides. We just let them do the thing, and we and we worship both of them. Yep. Um, we just wait for the storms to pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, Valus is also because you know Pravia, the upper world, that's Payrunes, and Navia, the lower world, is Valus's. Um, like the eagle and the dragon related to Norse mythology. Like Payrun is the eagle, and Valus is the dragon at the bottom of the tree, and Payrun at the top of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is super interesting as well. Whereas Yarilo and Martana, which is one of our favorite things, are kind of in the middle with the moist Mother Earth. Mulkosh yep. is kind of the middle. And she really kind of exists as the middle between them. She doesn't play a role in their story, but exists as like the sheltering force while they're battling. Yeah, she is literally the Mother Earth and the waters below the Earth. She is the nurturing Earth. Um, Mokash is... I like Mokash a lot. She's just too. like she's she's mom. Like that is her that is her deal. She she is mom while the dragon and the eagle beat the living crap out of each other for celestial reasons, I guess, cosmological reasons. Okay, yeah. If you believe the story that they're brothers, they're brothers always in competition. If you believe the stories that they're eternal opposites, they're always just vying for power. But they they exist to fight. Yeah. And then sometimes Valus decides to go like weird wholesome and kidnap a child to raise better. I love how you say weird wholesome, kidnap a child in the same sentence. <laughs> well, <laughs> would you, I mean, would you like to describe that particular story? Cause it's so seasonally important. Yeah. So we got this larger narrative of Valus and Perun fighting for power. It's how we talk about order and chaos, changing of storm season to when storms happen it's usually oh paris and valen are fighting at least for me that's the some of the accounts i've been able to find um there's a so subtle story underneath that of one of the ways that they fight a lot is they have very different ideas of how the world should work order versus chaos again um Velas kidnaps uh one of perun's son yarilo um, who at that point, I guess, doesn't really have a godly title. He's just a child. Um, but he takes him to the underworld and raises him as his own. Which brings about a piece. Uh, I think Perun becomes distracted and searching for his son, but doesn't know that uh, Velas has him. So just kind of assumes that Velas being gone has nothing to do with his son, which is like kind of funny. Chaos. <laughs> Um, which extends then into this other story of Yarilo and Marzana, which is uh, uh, how, at least the, in the records and the stories, and what makes sense for me in my practice work, is how we understand the changing of seasons from winter, cold, fall-ish, winter-ish, to spring, summer. So basically, <laughs> cold, sad time, to warm, happy time. Because um, in the kidnapping of Velas, Velas eventually does let Yarilo go to become his own person and Yarilo emerges from the ground which is how we get springtime coming he assumes his role as a god of spring and fertility and comes out of the ground and stumbles upon Martana who technically is his sister but we don't judge that they're deities family ties are they can do incest it's fine yeah um and they fall in love and their marriage at the solstice or probably somewhere close to it is the start of the harvest season or summer um, eventually Yarilo dies. We can do a whole episode on that alone. Eventually Yarilo dies and his wife Martana becomes incredibly sorrowful and transforms herself into a goddess of nightmares and winters. And that's how we get winter. And eventually her death brings about spring, 
which is intermittent with the Arilo coming out of the ground. You know, cycles and stories happen all the time. But their relationship intermittent with this battle between order and chaos is a lot about how the seasons move. It's always order and chaos or death and romance is how seasons move in the mythology that I've been able to find. Right. And before we talk more about the practices around that sort of like seasonality and holidays, we should probably like round off the deities that we've known. Like you, you work with Devana, right? Yes. So uh, yeah, because there are much like many other faiths, there are major gods, lesser gods. The ones we talk about are most of the major gods. Yarilo and Martana are technically lesser gods just because they don't come up in in ritualized practice all that much or they have like singular myths not like overarching purpose but yeah there are lots of other uh minor god gods and goddesses i yeah work with devana a lot i as a kid loved greek mythology because that's where queers apparently exist <laughs> it was greek mythology um so i really liked artemis and eventually over my practice i've kind of followed some of the stories Stories, which is funny because this is my one Southern Slav thing is Devana is much more a Southern Slavic goddess because it's up through what, what Greece out into Ukraine mm-hmm. is Devana territory. Goddess of the hunt, goddess of the moon, things like that. A very much a lesser god, like unless you're living in a heavily forested hunting driven community, Devana is not going to be on your list of things to do in that time. So lesser god, right. goddess. Um, one story I did find connected to her, which I thought was really interesting was as Perun's daughter, she refused to marry, and she honestly thought that she should be top god. Um, and then she was forced to marry Valus, but it didn't really work out between them. Um, and then they just sort of separated. So almost like Niorth and Skadi, Skadi kind of yeah. thing. I don't know how accurate that is, but that was just one story. Yes. Do you, Are there any other ones that you work with? Um, just names that I, not that I work with, but that I know of, like Radagost. Um, which may be another name for Svarovich in the West Slavs. It's important to the Palabians. God of war, uh, possibly God of hospitality also. Um, Triglov uh, and Svetovid, who are multi-faced gods, who may be just like combinations of different gods that were important to those tribal groups. Um, And then, of course, there's like a huge number of spirits that like live in the land and the house and the like Slavs had so many spirits and we, we could spend hours and hours listing them all and talking about them, but we just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. I mean, there's one point I want to make in my look, like both because of Christian eradication of things, but as much as I can find the Slavic people were not, of fairly mythology, like the Romans and the Norse, like there wasn't much of a system of religion. There are so many little people, whatever you want to call them, the good folk. Like there are so many spirits and things that were about the land, the house, and all of the things that you did day in, day out that you more paid attention to because that was the shit that would mess with you. Yeah. And, um, before we yeah before we get like corrected because she probably would she's not a goddess but she is important and that is the baba yaga the baba yaga you should talk about baba yaga yeah i mean i'll talk about her in a hot second but it that is again a part of the thing it was almost i want to say like i don't want to say real life mythologies versus like religious mythologies but it was about things that would happen 
Um, I I can think about our episode with Morgan and talking about um, fairy ancestry that came up. I remember, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that exists somewhere in Slavic culture. It just isn't as prevalent anymore because of things. But you got your Leishi, your forest <laughs> spirit. You've got Domovoy who live in your house. They are house spirits. You've got even some of the... What's that TV show on Netflix? Um, Hilda? Hilda, yes. Yeah. Hilda. Hilda covers a lot. Some Norse, some Slavic. There's a lot of overlap between Norse and Slavic good people spirit mythologies um but there are just a lot lots of innate things about the land and the elements and the things around you that were almost much more about the practice which extends to sometimes people themselves became legends which is where baba yaga comes from uh it's just uh, some some have evil she likes to think she's creative <laughs> Witch of great power, who's who probably was a real person at some point, but whose experience, myths, and legends catapulted her into a mythical existence of in the Slavic and the Norse regions. Yeah, I mean, I've interacted with her as a spiritual being, so she's a thing. It's just not the same as like other things. It's a god, not a god, because yeah. She's not a god, doesn't live in that world, isn't a personification of people's beliefs that maybe had form at one time. Like, Baba Yaga is one of those people that will exist without human belief, and for me, at least in my practice. Yeah, I know. Everyone can forget about her, and she'll still exist. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, kind of witch who has outmaneuvered human existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So with that in mind, and you mentioned practice, what are some things that we do as actual practices of Slavic paganism? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm now like thinking, is there anything particularly Slavic that I do? Fire is an important thing. Uh, it's important to a lot of faiths, but a lot of things are done by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, cleansing is often done by fire. Uh, sometimes I've even, I don't know if this is connected to any particular practice, but I've even, I'm usually using incense because I don't, or incense because I don't want to burn my apartment down, but walking with lit incense, the actual like presence of fire, even if it's not touching things, burns away whatever mm-hmm. negativity or things I'm trying to eliminate. Fire is really important. And I, I honestly didn't understand why I liked fire so much. I thought I just liked fire because I was like a Boy Scout and shit. <laughs> it's very like deep ancestral practice. <laughs> Yeah, I like fire a lot, too. And that's sort of my continuing, like, uh, build up in terms of my Slavic work is the fire. Like, I've built a little fire shrine in my apartment that's candles rather than, Mm -hmm. like, fire fire. But that's where I do the Slavic stuff. Yeah. Um, Other things, threes are really important, like the number three. There are a lot of triplicates, which I, I need to preface. It's, I can't explain it. It's not the same as Celtic or Norse triplicates, but we have a lot of triplicates. Yeah. Triglav. Yeah. Zoria. Oh, we they're didn't not, talk about the Zoria. We did not, and I should mention them. Uh, Zoria is a good example. The Zoria are, for a frame of reference, are basically Slavic Norns, sisters of fate, whatever you want to call them. 
But unlike triplicates like Norns, even like Sisters of Fate in Greek mythology, even like some of the things in, in Celtic mythology, the Morrigan, they're not interconnected three things. In many ways, they're kind of like separate or sometimes two of them have a connection and the third one's different. So like the Zoria represent the dawn, the dusk, and what, the midday. Midday or midnight, I think it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Evening, morning, and night. And the evening usually you can take to be either of the twilights, either you know, first light or first dark. Um, and their existence is so they do for me, their existence, they're just the watchers of fate. Uh very uh, similar to the Nornir. They they weave, but they don't determine fate. They are not fate fortune tellers. They are mostly like writing down a history that has to them happened because they can see through time in a non-linear fashion. Um, and their big purpose is just to watch and man and make ensure that the the day moves to night, that time doesn't accidentally fall apart and the world collapses. Yeah. <laughs> but the three of them aren't connect. They're not like three versions. They're not made me. Uh, wow. Made mother and crone. They're not like three stages of life. They're not like three. Uh, personalities of a singular being or three versions of a singular being. They are three distinct things. But we have a lot of threes. Yeah, there are a lot of threes. Uh, again, eggs, um, traditions around eggs, painting eggs, um, eating eggs with horseradish, which you hate, mm. but I love. The world can thank the Slavs for Fabergé eggs, too. We have an that obsession is- with ornate eggs. Ornate eggs. Um, I also have a special love of Matryoshka dolls, just as an art form. Yep, um, Matryoshka dolls, which, again, uh, also represents... Um, I'm trying to, there, there are some myths and legends about like the, the various, you know, much like the egg that there are, we are vessels for other parts or other versions of ourselves. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing that we really do is the holidays, which are the more, most important part of the Slavic paganism for me is like we 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 hit some of those big holidays especially the new year which is Marzana's day um yes. which is i think the one we should describe in in how we practice um which we have before actually with our um Marzana's day episode and you know that's on the crone's porch i believe it's called smoking Marzana. that was a pretty early one yes it was um so we can look back on that we just did cupola too which is the big like sun, fire, Yarilo and Marzana are married, fertility, hopefully we don't all die because there'll be food. Um, and matrimony with the yeah. water. And we kind of combine Dingus Day into that one too. Yes, which is very like <laughs> Polish, Buffalo, New York stuff. Yeah, so it's not as big as in Poland as it is in Buffalo, which always makes me chuckle. Yeah, I will say water is also important. Like we have the fire, but like the rivers always come up um, the power of water and fire together are important. Like vodka is fire in the water and that sort of thing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think it's really interesting because whenever people ask, like, what is the Slavic faith? A, from the things we said at the beginning of the episode, there's not a lot of translation. There's not a lot of stuff that exists. So it's hard to say what it is. But as I guess Slavic peoples of diasporic experience, um, 
it's a faith that is a lot built on intuition. I have not gotten yeah. many like roadblocks. Ooh, that's wrong in my explorations of things, which I don't know what that means, but it's a comfortable feeling that testing and feeling good about stuff is the method in a lot of ways to do for me that has been successful to do Slavic based magic or Slavic based faith. Yeah, I agree. I think it might come from the fact that like paganism never really went away in the Slavic lands. There was always the dual faith, like they were nominally or like actually Christian, but all the pagan stuff survived. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like this idea of like it being flexible and syncretic as by nature is really is really nice for someone who's trying to like rediscover it because then it's already pretty pliable. It's used to being pliable. Um, And the traditions are so kind of not sparse, but so sparsely defined that you have a lot of freedom in how you interact with it. You really do. Because there's also, I think one thing, and I, this is kind of built in stereotypes, but also some of these come from experiences with family. The Slavic experience i guess in a faith sense is kind of twofold and i'm i'm on a slate a site that i think sums this up good like two common phrases or at least in english translated english is times are hard but we'll get better and times are good but we'll soon get worse which really like for me sums up a lot of the slavic mentality uh things could always be worse there's always a worse outcome. So enjoy what you have, but also sometimes things can are going to get worse, but they will get better eventually. Like it's a very matter of fact. There's not a lot of flowy romanticism to Slavic no. faith. Not in my experience. I will say that um, the experience in the United States is going to be pretty different from the experience that if you engage with like European Slavic paganism, yep. which has a lot of connections to like ethno-nationalism, Whereas, like, the stuff that we do is diasporic by nature and sort of open-ended rather than based in, like, ideas of ethnicity in such a, like, solid, sometimes non-inclusive sense. That's what happens when you try to reconstruct a faith inside of a state system (laughs) in the modern times. Yeah. So, I mean, I... If, if... If people are going to look, I would say, you know, maybe start with the diasporic stuff. You're American Slavic pagans and go from there if you're an American. Yeah. And the other thing that I would really recommend was was actually a lot more successful. Like, yes, I found a couple like, oh, these talk about Slavic mythologies, usually academic sources. Yeah. But what is actually very helpful is just looking through and finding cultural traditions. Most of the Mm -hmm. time, Slavic traditions, Slavic mythological religious traditions are now just Christian traditions. Uh, Dingus Day is a Christian holiday. Uh, So is Kupala is a Christian holiday. I forgot what saint is for Kupala. Um, But there are a lot of things that are just Christian now. Byzantine Empire made a lot of things Orthodox and a lot of things Christian. Um, So there are a lot of things that are just catholic now and uh you can work through that at your own pace but um sometimes just going on like what do polish people do around the new year and being like oh yeah that's like uh i always mix up it was polish or czech uh one of them keep carp in their bathtub for 
a certain time over the new year and then eat it and then keep scales for the whole year for good luck. And I'm like, if that is not a pagan tradition, I, I don't know what is. I don't care what Christian tries to explain it with God. It's a pagan thing. Yeah, fish in the bathtub is probably a pagan thing. Even Doma um, Doma voice have been turned into Catholic yeah. things. Like you just, you leave coffee for your house spirit, even if you were a God-fearing Catholic. Yeah. Like I said, these things survived really strongly. And so there's a lot of things to look at within like folklore. Um, you can dig, dig stuff up. Um, I also, there's a really great author I like. I don't know if all the stuff that he says is, you know, backed up but a lot of the the like diff individual things he does like about the gods the slavic gods is super useful brendan noble if you just go to his like blog he does like regular posts about different deities and things within the slavic mythology and i'm like yeah i i buy it all this stuff seems to track for me um so there's a lot of people who are also just like doing it themselves that you can look at and they don't have to be all academic for you to explore because not all the academia is going to be accurate or in English or helpful. Yeah. So it's a complicated existence to be a Slavic practitioner. A lot of intuition, a lot of trusting your gut, finding the old family traditions you have. I was surprised when I like would ask about things that um, family members, especially the very Slavic family members would do. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, we used to do this and we used to do that. Like, uh, what where was I going with that train of thought? Um, like every year, my mom used to make kifli for the longest time, you know, like little Slavic cookies. Eventually, like looked up and like there's a reason that they look like that, or that they're a prune is another thing that is very Slavic. Oh why? At least West Slavs, we love prunes and stuff. Um, but even like some of the the food traditions, pierogies, all of that have ties. So like, yes, we don't have we don't have a Havama or like thing. We don't have religious texts or agreed upon traditions, but we have lots of ancestral and cultural traditions. And at the end of the day, for me, that's what being uh, that's what I have enjoyed about discovering the Slavic path, the, the Slavic part of my path is it is free flowing and it is really based on community and my cultural identity. There's no pomp and circumstance to it. There is no uh there are order for some things but there is no like you must do it this way it is uh, what'd your family do yeah that's probably what you did yeah and and i think also some some others may not necessarily mix but like for both of us being multi-traditional like we both do both norse and slavic they're so close together that they just sort of mix well and they don't they all get along pretty well so it's not it's not really a problem that we just like mix Slavic and Norse together because they're just like, no, nope, this is yeah, no, this is yeah. Vikings and Slavs hung out a lot by yeah, choice or not. If you're Germanic and Slavic, listen, Germany's right there. Sure, a lot of mixing. Uh, you're Hungarian and Slavic. Hungarians are honorary Slavs. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that can that can happen. Even some of the Italian mysticism fits here and there yes. mostly the north and the alps but there's so much in mainland europe uh especially in the east things were mixing things were transferring things were traveling across all the roads 
there you, you can follow your threads. If you start with a Germanic thing, you might find that there's a Slavic name for what you do too. <laughs> very, very true. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good, like, basic overview. There's a lot of other things that we could spend hours talking about, but I feel like that that encapsulates an introduction to Slavic <laughs> paganism as we see it, as we practice it. <laughs> yeah, if someone is an expert in Slavic paganism that isn't an ethno-nationalist, hit me up. I would love to learn from you. Yeah. The closest I've ever found, which I didn't even com- ever go through with, was uh mary like tried to connect me with a, a a person who practiced like very particularly russian and i was like uh, nope i didn't even go through with it i no, didn't understand why at the time i was like why don't i do want to do this thing like west slav different <laughs> yes i don't know if you have a summation for this <laughs> no no i mean i think it's it's interesting and i always find it interesting how like uh how sometimes because of how regional Slavic things can be, how even between us who are both like nominally Polish, it goes slightly separate differences. Cause I'm like, we East stuff. And you're like, Nope, West, solidly West. Solidly West. I will do a little bit of South, but solidly West. So there's always room even within doing that for a lot of variation between individuals and it's all cool. It's true, but the Slavic people were well good. I will root Croatia every year in the World Cup, even though I'm not even remotely Croatian. Croats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that that phrase you said sums sums it all up. Things are bad, it'll get better. Things are good, it'll get worse. You just gotta live. <laughs> yeah. Take it from the Zoria. You just live to watch the next sunrise. Yeah. Not to tell your future. It's true. <laughs> well thanks Ian. for baba you can always cheat death doesn't always turn out well but you can always cheat death it's true <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why she wanted to say that but that was fun uh all right well i i will say um skull i will say ahoy which is the slavic thing like bye <laughs> and we will see you next time Under Chrome's porch. I'm not even going to try to ever say that. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You said it this time.